This is Marginalia, a production of KMUW Wichita. Marginalia. Notes in the margin of a book. Notes, commentary, and similar material Marginalia written in the margin of a book. Comments and notes that which are, are incidental, incidental or additional to the main topic. The main topic in the margin of a book. Author Emily Henry is no stranger to the publishing world, but the release of her seventh and most anticipated novel has been one of her greatest surprises. Book Lovers follows Nora, a workaholic literary agent who takes a vacation with her sister to the idyllic fictional town of Sunshine Falls, North Carolina, but she can't seem to escape her literary nemesis, Charlie. I recently spoke with Emily Henry about her inspiration for book lovers, as well as her goal of weaving romance with more literary fiction. I'm Beth Golay, this is Marginalia, and here's our conversation. So we are recording this on May 4th, and Book Lovers was released yesterday. And since it's so new, would you mind giving a summary to our listeners? I would love to. Um, book Lovers follows Nora Stevens, who is a cutthroat, ambitious, type A literary agent in New York City. And she kind of has her life figured out and, you know, organized how she wants it to be. But she keeps getting broken up with by these men who should be perfect for her. They're very much like her. They fit her needs. They, you know, everything just overlaps so nicely. They keep dumping her for women who are her polar opposite. And they do this in kind of like a dramatic fashion, which is the last four boyfriends she's had have been sent out of town by their jobs to small towns where they have then fallen in love with locals and then dumped Nora and uprooted their whole lives to like become bakers and ranchers and all of that. So Nora feels that she is living in this sort of warped small town romance novel where she's just the villain over and over again who's just there to kind of be the foil to the good woman. And so her little sister Libby convinces Nora that they should get out of town and go to a small town in North Carolina so that Nora can have her own transformational small town love story. And Nora is not like super into this idea, but she loves Libby and their relationship has been kind of weird and distant lately. So she takes her up on it. They go to Sunshine Falls, North Carolina to this idyllic little spot But while she's there, she keeps running into her nemesis from back in the city, Charlie Lastra, who is this prickly, opinionated book editor who she got off on the very wrong foot with years before. And it's kind of like, you know, there's a little bit of mystery of what he's even doing in this place, a little bit of mystery of what's going on with Libby and why is she acting weird? And of course, a love story. And I understand that Book Lovers was inspired by, you know, the the city girlfriend trope in made for TV movies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The original working title was actually City Person. <laughs> and so, okay. How many books have you published? I have published um, four young adult novels and three adult novels. One of my YA projects was a co-written um, book as well, but yeah. So I guess seven, <laughs> I guess seven. That's what we had by our count, but I just okay. wanted to make sure. And you know, as there's far been- as I know. <laughs> There's been quite a bit of buzz on social media about this this newest work. How does releasing a book now that you have a pretty devoted following compare to when you first started out? It is so, so surreal because I really had fully given up on being like that kind of author. I was what is commonly called a mid-list author, meaning I had like a little core readership, but nobody, you know, had heard of me or any of my books. And I had gotten to the place of being like pretty comfortable and happy there. And 
really did not anticipate anything ever changing. So it is, it is super surreal. And I sort of feel like I am incapable of taking it all in. Like I keep comparing it to looking at the Grand Canyon and just being like, nope, like can't compute. Like this is just too big. My brain is like, don't even waste your time trying to understand this. It's, it's totally surreal. So this isn't the first book that you've written um, with a connection to the literary world. How much of your writing is influenced by your reality? Oh my gosh. I think a lot. I think a lot, honestly. Um, I'm not ever writing characters who are exactly me or like exactly people I know, but I do think that I am comfortable writing about the literary world because it's something I'm really familiar with. And I like knowing that I'm not going to get anything totally wrong. Like that's a comforting, (laughs) comfortable place to be as a writer. Um, And I also think, you know, the longer you're in a certain world, the more equipped you are to notice what's like funny and weird about it. And I think with publishing, I finally have been doing this like long enough to be like, this is like a weird quirk that, you know, people might not know about outside of the publishing world. So it's really fun for me to toy with that and, you know, toy with, you know, there's a, there's a part in Beach Read where the two main characters are talking about their favorite bad reviews. And that's just like, you know, a lot of that's, coming basically from my group text with my writer friends where they're like, I just got another bad review from someone who got sent the wrong book and they're on Amazon (laughs) being like zero stars. I didn't order this. And you know, it's, there's just a lot about it that becomes funny and becomes um, kind of commonplace, but you still joke about it like with your writer friends. And I think a lot of that makes its way into the books. Is your literary agent a shark? I don't know because here's the thing about (laughs) Like, I wouldn't know because with Nora, even in Book Lovers, she's a shark, meaning when she's with the, you know, the editors and the publishing houses and doing all that, she, she gets things done. She negotiates great deals for her clients, all of that, but her clients are all neurotic authors. And so when she's talking to them, it's like full cheerleading mode where she's like, you're okay. You're great. It's great. It's beautiful. The book is great. It's great. Um, You could change this tiny thing, but you're still great. And I don't hate you. And so I wouldn't know because my agent is like just absolutely lovely to me and seems like a very friendly, warm person, but like maybe she's a shark with editors. I think she's pretty friendly with my editor as well. So she's probably not, but she's great at her job. So that she and Nora have in common. (laughs) So what about writing, you know, a book within a book? Because we don't actually get to read the books that Nora is editing, but could you write those books? Do you know their outline? Did you have to know that before you started writing this? Um, I'm trying to remember. So, you know, there's also books within books in Beach Read and those just came to me really naturally. And so I do feel like I could basically write either of those books. For this one, we intentionally kept it a little bit vaguer, partly because I'd already done like the books within books where there were full like extracts from it. And so this time it was like, I'm just going to allude to a kind of book And so there are like a lot of comparisons made where I'm like, it's this kind of book. It's this kind of book. Don't look at what it actually is. (laughs) So I don't think that I could, I couldn't as of today, write the books that are being edited in book lovers. Maybe if I had more time, but I don't think I would really want to. Nora kind of works on books that are not quite what I write, which is a funny decision to make where it's like, she's not editing romance. She's editing sort of like book clubby tear jerkers. Well, and I want to talk a little bit about romance books because, you know, I want to talk about 
the sort of genre bending that you do in each of your novels. In 2020, you gave an interview to the London Magazine, and you said, it's as though these novels are just candy for your brain, bad for you, and do not teach you anything like a more serious book would. I want to challenge that notion and write a book that would ride the line between literary and commercial. So are you receiving confirmation from fans that you've succeeded in, in writing that line? Because this is, you know, while this is definitely a romance, Book Lovers is more than a romance. It's it's smart romance. Well, thank you. You know, I think my ultimate goal in which I have gotten confirmation from a lot of readers, it's like, it was kind of like trying to sneak a romance novel <laughs> into people's <laughs> books like or into people's bags. Like that was what Beach Read was. It was like, okay, this is, you know, kind of, it's got a slight literary bent. So maybe if you haven't picked up a romance novel before you will, and maybe you'll see the value of romance novels and have your eyes open. So I, I think Book Lovers is honestly my most traditional rom-com of my three books in some ways. Like I really was stuffing it with all the tropes that I love. And um, it's like a little bit sexier, I feel like, than my first two. But I kind of feel like I got them in the door. And now here's like my straight up <laughs> romance novel. Um, and, you know, it's still my voice. I'm still writing how I write. But there's so much... There's so much great writing out there in romance that people don't know about because they're they just haven't picked it up before because like the the plots or the covers or whatever haven't called to them and so I'm just like trying to constantly like induct people into romance readership and I think you know I hear from a lot of people that they read romance now and they did not before so to me that's like a huge win and I feel like it's like the best gift I can give someone in like the dark timeline that we're living in. It's like, now you at least know that romance novels will make you feel good. That's great. You know, full disclosure, I've only spoken with a few romance authors in the past, but yeah. they had some really interesting opinions on, you know, the closed door versus open door romance yeah. that clues the reader into what goes on behind bedroom doors. Does this consideration factor into your writing? 100%. You know, I, my books are technically open door, but they're also, it's like sort of vague language and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to induct new romance readers who maybe would be like a little bit skittish around something a little bit more open door and um, detailed and whatever. So that was something I think with book lovers, I feel like it became more romancy, but I also am still trying to make it kind of, you know, available to a wide range of people who have different preferences and I don't know where my books will go in the future, but I, I do feel like that plays in. It's like, are you writing this for the diehard romance novel reader? Or are you trying to get this into book clubs too with people who haven't picked up a romance before? So it's something I think about and try and balance and, and will actively be working on in future books, trying to figure out what's the right amount of like steam basically to include. So in Book Lovers, Nora's ex-boyfriends leave her for a girl that is equal parts Gillian Flynn's cool girl speech yes. and gone girl and manic pixie dream girl. And she mentions that she is the foil to their characters as a type A boss girl. Yet neither type of woman is looked down on. Can you talk about the importance of validating every type of woman without putting down another? I would absolutely love to. I love that question so much because I think as a reader and a viewer too, like I do watch a lot of TV and movies. So just as an audience member, I really try not to take one character's arc as sort of like a, a guidebook or a roadmap or like, this is what we're saying about who a person should be. Like I tried to just separate that and be like, this is this one character's story and that's what they're going through. 
But when you see enough movies that have that same format of, you know, this man falling in love and dumping the city person girlfriend or, you know, the city woman going to a small town and totally changing her personality and now she's happy for real. When you see that enough and you don't see the other side, it does start to feel like we're actually saying something here. We're not saying this character needed to get out of their, you know, their big city corporate job and do something new. We're just, it starts to feel like we're saying that's the right way to be a woman and that's the wrong way to be a woman. And so I knew I wanted to flip that a little bit and have Nora be the villain, you know, in a lot of other romance novels, like to start with that kind of archetype, but then also to kind of challenge what her version of a happy ending would be. And it might not be like the same thing as her ex-boyfriends who keep dumping her. But I also was very conscious the whole time of not wanting to then do the reverse and make it a condemnation of people who love living in small towns and want to have a bunch of kids and love baking. Like those things are all great. I really just want anyone who reads this book to just feel like it's okay to be me. I'm affirmed that there's no right way to be a person. And that's how Libby, the sister character, really got her identity in the book was just knowing that I needed Nora to really love and respect someone who was totally different from her, who did choose to have kids and get married pretty young and who is like interested in possibly like living somewhere that's small town and quaint and, you know, um, yeah, that was like the whole goal. So I'm so happy that you that you felt that way, that no one else was being condemned or demonized. Yeah, because, you know, in most movies and books, the ice queen trope is used as a cautionary tale. The right. story ends with her death or having a man, <laughs> you know, defrost her with love right. so she's ready to be a happy housewife. But Nora is authoritative and independent and goes after her dream job with such tenacity that it's nothing short of admirable. So we just really loved that you showed the other side of the cold villain character. Thank you. So I've heard that you're a big Jane Austen fan. And that there, there are even some references to characters mm -hmm. in Book Lovers. So I'm wondering, what do you love about Jane Austen? And how did she influence Book Lovers? Because, you know, Jane Austen writes smart romances, too. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing for people who haven't actually read Jane Austen and have just grown up in knowing who Jane Austen is approximately, a lot of people don't realize how hilarious she was. <laughs> like people who haven't actually read the books do not. They're like, oh, yeah, those those like sappy old romances and it's like she skewers people on those she's hilarious like she she's a she's an observer of society and of human nature and she notices what's funny about people and what's um weird about them and she likes to write about all of that and so that's something that's like always appealed to me is like you know there's these these love stories but also like she's just very funny and very smart and a huge influence on me. But I also think, you know, we are talking about the two different kinds of women who get a lot of space on the book lovers page. And, you know, she does that with sisters a lot. And that is the call out in book lovers is that um, Libby is the Marianne to Nora's Eleanor. And I think it's also really fun that even though you get like multiple love stories in all the Jane Austen books, it's like in Pride and Prejudice, Lizzie is really front and center and she is the vivacious, you know, fun, a little bit snarky, like free spirited woman. And she's kind of the star of that show. And then with Sense and Sensibility, I feel like Eleanor to me is the one that I feel the much bigger emotional connection to. And like, she's the star of the show. And so it really kind of feels like Jane Austen wrote Sense and Sensibility and was like, 
okay, now I'm going to write like what would be sort of Marianne's book in an alternate universe. And I think honestly, as a writer, that's something I'm always kind of doing is like looking at what I did before and then thinking, okay, what would be like the other version of that? And, you know, with book lovers, I specifically wanted to write two people who are very similar because I had just written two people who fell in love who were totally different. And I think both of those scenarios happen and can work. So does that mean we're going to see a book about Shepard? <laughs> you are not going to see a book about Shepard, but I will say no, very much so. Like I will say that after this, after book lovers, my next book is, I feel like really kind of flipping book lovers and being like, okay, now let's see the other side of the story. Because again, I don't think any one character's arc needs to be seen as this is what every person needs to go through. It's just like everyone needs to have their own self-actualization of figuring out what they really want and going after it. So Book Lovers focuses on books and lovers, but it also tackles family bonds, you know, the older sister protecting a younger sister or a capable younger sister taking care of her older sister. And, you know, Charlie has his own family saga going on. These themes, books, lovers, family, they're completely different channels. Did you, you know, do you have to compartmentalize when writing or, or is it difficult to shift gears? It's not for me because the way that the family stuff always ends up on page for me is I write a draft and it's like, I figure out who the main couple are and I understand what they like about each other and how they work. And then I have to take it deeper and really, really like get into the nitty gritty of who they are. So there's like just a lot of asking questions and kind of like writing out answers, thinking about these people. And for me, I just don't really know how to write fully fleshed out characters without kind of going back to their family dynamic and seeing what made them who they are like back in their formative years. And then even beyond that, I think that one of the key parts of falling in love, one of the key stages is that that stage where you're just kind of mining your history and you're like, I need to tell you everything you need to know about me. And I need to know everything there is to know about you. And so all that stuff, I think really comes up naturally when you're falling in love. You're like, I just want to know, I want to know everything. I want to know like about your bad haircuts. And I want to like go through your childhood closet and find all of like the weird trophies from the sports you only did for one year. And I don't know. I, I think that's such a real part of falling in love is just like, <laughs> like I can't get enough. I need all of it. Now, I'm backtracking a little bit, but I will regret if I do not ask you, do you have a favorite Jane Austen? Oh my gosh. You know what? A part of me, I don't know if it's actually my favorite, but a part of me wants to say persuasion because I think it's, you know, it's like kind of like my wish fulfillment where it's like, I wish Jane Austen could have had her happy ending. And I feel like I love so much that persuasion is, you know, about like an older heroine and somebody who's already kind of seen as a spinster. I think it's just really sweet. Um, and, you know, the Pride and Prejudice is like really funny and fun. And I feel like that's kind of the go-to favorite. But, and Emma's very funny, I think as well. But Persuasion, I just think is really sweet. It's my favorite too. Really? Um, <laughs> that makes me happy. Oh, that Technically, really happy. I, haven't, I haven't finished Northanger Abbey. I, was, I took yeah. a Jane Austen class and I haven't finished that one. I just kind yeah. of skipped it. Um, yeah. I don't think, it would, <laughs> even if I finished it, I don't think it would be my favorite though. <laughs> no, it's not my favorite. I've, I've read it one time only and I don't think I've seen like a really good adaptation of it either. Whereas I feel like instantly every other, uh, well, I mostly just Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice, instantly multiple adaptations come to mind. I'm like, oh, and that yeah. one's great because of this. And that one's great because of this. Yeah. So do you have a hope for the book? 
a hope for the book, uh, meaning what? What do you want readers to take away from this? Ooh, book? Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. I did, no, 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 that's fine. I just am like was gonna fully answer the wrong question, and I knew it. Um, okay, yes. answer that one too. <laughs> just like my hope is it goes to the moon. No, I was just gonna say I really do hope it gets made into a movie. We'll see. But my hope for readers for the book, really, I mean, I wanted this to be the ultimate comfort read. I wanted to create something that is so cozy that people would be able to go back to it just for like the familiar settings and certain conversations. And, you know, the Austin books are a perfect example of something that's highly rereadable in my opinion. And I really wanted something that was like a gift that would keep on giving and just feel so comforting and so good. And also that, that level of affirmation that they're, that you're okay. You don't need to change who you are to be more appealing. Like there's, you are good like you are. There's not a right way to be. That's, you know, that is the big thing. That was Emily Henry, author of the novel, Book Lovers, which was published by Berkeley. Thanks for joining us for Marginalia. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita. Our engineers are Mark Statzer and Torin Anderson. Our editor is Luann Stevens. Our producer is Haley Krausen. And our marketing assistant is Carly Cooper. This is Marginalia. And for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay.